Welcome to the worst nightmare of all. Reality. Explore the lesser-known stories of our unknown world. Join the pursuit of the paranormal with Ash and Greg. Ash. Good evening, Greg. How are you, my man? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Awesome. Awesome. Looking forward to chatting to our guest this week. It is someone yeah. that we've been meaning to get on the show for a while. Uh, someone that has basically been kind of a supporter, uh, a friend, a helper, a guide. For when I started UFO Identified, kind of always been there to chat to, comes along to our meetings, comes along to our conferences, and has even delivered a presentation at one of our meetings on kind of subject we're going to talk about uh, tonight. So welcome to the show, Simon Clark. How are you? I'm awesome, thank you. And I'm now blushing. Great <laughs> 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 introduction. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it's a topic I've I've always enjoyed. And, and as you well know, you know, it, it can be difficult to find people in the right area where you live that that, that look into these sort of topics. So when you when you set up, it's like, you know, this is something I want to help and support as much as I can. And uh, yeah, always happy to help out and uh, happy to share knowledge I've got gained over the years. Yeah. I think it's important to share the knowledge. Like you say, I, I wouldn't even know people around by me that are into to UAPs. The paranormal, yes, but UAPs, no. Um, so, yeah, be, being able to share information with like-minded people, I think it, it is a really positive thing. And I know since we've been doing the podcast and then coming up to specifically the, the conference last year uh ufo identified minicon um to see that many people about like-minded people coming together to talk and and share and and whatnot whereas say 10 15 years ago you'd be these these freaks in the corner that <laughs> the, the, the people would just laugh at and now we're having the last laugh it would appear so um yeah so thanks for coming on to talk and um, we briefly met very briefly at the minicon uh when i yep. was selling flogging t-shirts uh <laughs> down one end of the merch uh, and that sort of particular area so yeah nice to see you again and thanks for coming on yeah thank you well thanks for inviting me definitely i'm, I'm always happy to talk on this yeah cool nice one so do you want to give us a bit of a background on yourself and sort of how you got interested in the whole this whole phenomena originally yeah i think it really started off for christmas or birthday or whatever i got i got a, a book uh above top secret and i can remember, never remember the guy's name who, who, who wrote that but you read the stories in that and these are accounts by ordinary fda but you, you got it there have you <laughs> timothy good where did, where did you get that from ash that gave me this as a present <laughs> but then when you open the cover, you, it, it's got a, a forward by... Um... The library. <laughs> you stole it from. library. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. The, oh, what was he called? <laughs> Lord Louis Mountbatten. There's a yep. story in that book about with Lord Louis Mountbatten. 
Now, with the guy with his sort of heritage, if he says something, you'll take it as being gospel. And from what I can remember, he's one of his, I don't want to call him manservant, I'm trying to think, one of his helpers out in the estate. I said he'd be knocked off his push bike by a strange craft. I don't know how he described it. And when Lord Irwin went back and went outside, you can see the cycle track coming down, pointing, it doesn't help, does it? Uh, you can see the cycle track coming down towards the house. Then there's a gap, and you can see where the, bank, the bike landed. There's no other vehicle tracks. And now this is, I don't know, 1910s, 1920s, 1930s, whenever it was. And it's like, so that is an actual event witnessed by people. Okay, only the guy on the bike saw whatever the craft was, but people saw the afterwards. There's no other tyre tracks around. There's only a bicycle track. And then there's a 15-foot gap, and then the bike hits, and then where, where the guy landed. Something caused that to happen. And it's if, if that person with that sort of stature says that, then it's got to be right. And you go, what the heck was that? Uh, and then being in the Air Force for 12 years, you know, you get a really good understanding of, uh, of what aircraft look like. You know, what can helicopters do? What can't they do? You know, if you see something sort of flying slowly in the sky, unless you've got a strong wind at your back and it's a helicopter, you're going to hear it. You might hear it a little bit after, but you're going to hear it. Whereas, you know, we sight things. I, I have had one sighting and there's no sound, no sound whatsoever. And it's like, that can't happen. Aircraft do not fly like that. So, yeah, you know, you... you especially once I've left the Air Force, when, again, like you say, you don't get ridiculed as much. You know, you start looking into these topics further and further, and, and you, you, <laughs> you end up going to a big black hole. Um, the first book I wrote, I, I, I wrote my first book about 10, 12 years ago, and I just like writing on topics that, that I come across. So I've got a self-help book. I've had paranormal experiences. Um, these things around the world that are just so unusual, but also links around the world. And it just opens this thing up. And it, it's it, it's, an, it's an incredible topic that, that I just love being in amongst. And if I can get information from people, their stories, things that occur to them, and I can pass them on to other people, then I, I just love doing that. I love talking, you may have noticed. <laughs> Don't you think you, very, you just you, <laughs> you you mentioned about you when you start looking into it, you go into this black hole. It's yeah. like the biggest rabbit hole you could imagine. And oh, <laughs> you can go down one bit and you go, Oh, okay, I'll have a look at advanced military aircraft. Right, let's go down there. And then you go, Oh, Lockheed Martin. Oh, oh, where where's this going? And then yeah. you just you end up at some kind of get, weird my, alien thing. Yeah. My alien strange phenomena books are called This Will Blow Socks Off. So the original one was This Will Blow Socks Off. And it, somebody said to me, well, I've read it, but you're a bit all over the place. It's like, that's the journey. It's like that, isn't it? It Blackbird, is like that. Uh, SR-71, designed in the mid-50s. And you look at that and you go, that has so many unusual aspects on it that it really should be there. My, one of my favourite aircraft. Yeah, same. And there's things on it that are wrong. And it's like, 
how did I miss that? How did I miss that all the years? And then, you know, you lead on to things, onto things, onto things, and he's got, and, and, and like you say, you, you end up, you have some wonderful long tunnels. <laughs> yeah. And what I like is, I know um, UFO Twitter can be just the wildest of places, but yeah. you can go on a, a rabbit hole journey. You can just go into one one post, scroll down, see a comment, go into that comment, and just yeah. it just like I tangent that, I yourself off. In the first book, Atlantis. Now I know you've just had a million things run into your mind because you know you've looked into different things, but as you say. Atlantis, and you go, okay, there, there was something about something about Atlantis. Who wrote it? Okay, so we found out who wrote it. But he's referring to what his uncle described that he found out when he was in the Library of Alexandria, Alexandria about 30 years before. He's telling it to the guy that wrote this, who was 3,000 years ago. Okay. <laughs> and, and then, you know, and then it starts spreading around the world, and, and like oh but yeah. on the Atlantic point what so many people don't realize when you look at the planet earth you get a globe and, and you have a look around it and you're trying to find out what's unusual you look in the wrong place because twenty thousand years ago the sea levels were 450 feet lower than today so if people traveling making roads doing buildings near the sea you know near rivers they're under 400 feet of water and it, uh, uh, I, I don't think I've mentioned this yet, actually, to, to you guys at all. In fact, I'll, the next time we, we have a meetup, I'll, I'll bring them out with me. I think I've found a harbour in the Irish Sea. This harbour is over 100 feet down. Now, this harbor, most harbours have these harbour walls. Well, this has two parallel walls about a mile and a half apart. I can't remember exactly what the depth is. It's it either 50 metres or 90 metres, and you go like, that's like 8,000 years ago. Who was building that 8,000 years ago? And you look at this on the map and you go, but there are straight lines. Who, how, when? Mm. And again, another rabbit hole. <laughs> it's insane. It's insane. And talking insane. about it. Yeah. They're gone, sorry. No, it, it, it's insane. It's it, it's wonderful. But, yeah, you, you end up with more, more questions than answers. Yeah, that's absolutely oh, the truth. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, funny you mentioned about Atlantis and things happening thousands of years ago. I don't know if you've watched um, that Graham Hancock series of documentaries on Netflix, and he Ooh, talks yeah. about and he talk yeah he talks about um, ancient civilizations and the fact that around ten, 10 to twelve thousand years BC or ten to yeah. twelve thousand years ago, sorry. Yeah. Um, some cataclysmic events happened around the world. And that's why like a lot of these ancient civilizations are being dated and sort of seem to disappear around that time. Um, yeah. And if the, you're the saying start, the start and the end of the younger, younger Darius, mm -hmm, that's it. Uh, 20,000 20, years ago, we were in the absolute depths of the last ice age, which we're still in. Come back to that in a minute. Um, and slowly, you know, over, centuries many centuries the temperature gets warmer for a bit it goes colder for a bit but and it it slowly starts to rise you know slowly sort of victim starts and it slowly starts to come up until we get to i think it's eleven thousand eight hundred years ago when all of a sudden the temperature suddenly drops again 
Now, we do get, the planet Earth does get bombarded with various meteorites every day, um, some kind of fragments on a regular basis. Now, some of these are quite small. You're going to get a meteoroid shower. You know, be absolutely great. Stand outside and watch it. You don't need to, don't need to worry about them. They're just like grains of sand burning up. But sometimes it's bigger ones. So like we saw with the Shoemaker-Levy comet, whatever that was, 10, 20 years ago. So as it flew past Jupiter, Jupiter's gravity pulled in it so much it split the comet apart. And the next time it circled back around again, it plummeted into Jupiter in pieces. A similar thing happened to us. So 11,800 years ago, a load of big chunks hit I can't remember which way around it is. I think these were the, the ones in the Atlantic. And they caused the shift in the temperature, which put us into an ice age again. But then as we slowly start to come out of that, we catch up, I think, was it 1,200 years or 1,600 years, something like that, when this comet passes Earth again, more big chunks hit. And these landed in America. And there's, there's actually direct evidence of this. And one of the things that did is it um, released a load of fresh water from North America? Or was that the first? Maybe that was the first one. Released the fresh water into the Atlantic, which stopped the Atlantic conveyor and the, the Gulf Stream that we get. So that cooled, started cooling down the planet. Then when it came back around again, it hit in other places, which helped just start warming up again. You know, looking to the younger dry, so it, it, it's absolutely incredible. But as you say, around the world, uh, Gobekli Tepe is a great example because here's a, a collection of buildings, religious, whatever they are, that were purposely covered. Commentary fragments were supposed to hit. It's like somebody wanted to bury it to protect it because they didn't know where they're going to land. Because, you know, if they land half an hour later, you know, you're talking, uh, you know, almost like a thousand miles around the earth. You know, it's, it, so you don't know where they're going to land. So cover it up to protect it. Um, but Graham Hancock, he comes up with some absolutely superb uh, uh, information. Now you've mentioned where it is, I shall go and look at his series. Because I, I love his work. It's fascinating. It really is. Yeah, yeah. There's the island of the Pacific somewhere. The, all the buildings are made out of those uh, volcanic hexagons. If we go to the uh, Giants Causeway in Scotland and in Ireland, I don't know if it's basalt, whatever it is, but it, it, as, it, as it cools down, it forms hexagons, octagons, whatever these are. Mm. But this island in the Pacific is made from these things. It's about 30 feet long. How do you shift those with a few people? You can't. Mm. The, the weight per foot is more than any one person can handle. And there's like loads of these buildings and these canalways or was roads when the city hills were lower. Absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. Yeah. So, kind of, you mentioned that we're still in the Ice Age. Uh, so yes. If, what... if you go back, um, if you look at the ice cores over the last 100,000 years, well, if, if you look at Earth's history, a lot of Earth's history has been an ice age is one we've had polar ice caps, but also we've had times where we're not in ice ages, and there isn't ice caps at the North and South Pole. The sea level is higher, 
and places like Florida are underwater. So we are still coming out of the last one. And even if you look at the temperatures over the last a couple of thousand years, because when they look at um, temperature increases and oh, uh, what we're doing to the planet, it's like, no, 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 no. If you go back to the uh, 1709, there was a huge freeze, definitely over Europe, probably over everywhere else as well. But you had animals freezing to death in the fields in all of Europe, including the UK. We've seen pictures of people ice skating on the Thames River. Um, but then also conversely, you also have times when we've had really hot periods, which is I think there was a, one in the Middle Ages, and I think when the Romans were here, that it was really hot. But when they're digging out Nelson's column, because it's such a high column, it has to have a big, a big deep base. They were digging out layers of hippopotamuses and woolly mammoths and hippopotamuses and woolly mammoths because the temperature fluctuation is so incredible. But I think if you look at the records at the moment, we could be heading into the next ice age within the next 30 years, which probably wouldn't affect us too much. You know, it might, it might would hopefully take a few years to really come into effect, but well, the weather constantly changes, yeah. Yeah, the, the, the global warming thing, I know that's a one of a better yeah. phrase, a hot topic, um, and climate change. Um, you're welcome. You're welcome. I'm here all week. And, um, <laughs> but they, they mentioned, like, say, June was the hottest June on record, or since yeah. records began. And that's the interesting thing. When they say yeah. since records began, it's like, yeah, we, that's cool, but records didn't really begin that long ago. And eighteen fifties wanted or something. Yeah, I don't even think it was that far back. I think it was yeah. relatively, like in the grand scheme. Of so we're measuring, oh, yeah, the greatest temperatures over say the last hundred odd years, hundred fifty years. Yeah, yeah, the of the life cycle of the planet. That's like a mere speck of <laughs> speck oh, of time, yeah. and it and it does yeah. frustrate me when I know we're going off topic slightly, but the whole yeah. man made climate change and i get that we're probably not helping but the fact is that temperatures do go up and down in a cycle Absolutely. over yep. millennia so um i mean yeah. what, what i did as part of me talk which i don't think you were there at um as we circle around the sun at the moment we go well okay yeah we circle around the sun you know we're now in the northern hemisphere do we? and we're actually uh furthest away from the sun we're we're 95 million miles away from the sun. And in our winter, we're only 90 million miles away from the sun. So you can say, well, it's 92 and a half million. No, it's not. But we think, because we sort of think it has been circular. But what happens over time is the circular becomes an oval. So you spend a little bit of time close to the sun and a lot more time further away from the sun. And as that changes, plus a couple of other changes, that's what brings on and ends ice ages. Um, there's a, a, a Russian scientist developed it. Can't think of his name off the top of my head. Well, there's these three cycles that they interact together as well. Or then the, the Earth has a wobble. So the more centred the Earth is, I think it only goes about five degrees. And it goes down to about 25 degrees. So as we're about 23 at the moment heading back, if the Earth's more vertical, there's a lot more snow there's a lot more snow and ice at the, at the poles, but the more angled you are, um, the more 
it's it's, it's a warmer climate like we have now because you, you have the have the better seasons. Whereas as the angle reduces right off again, um, the seasons become a lot less. Makes so, sense. Yeah, yeah. Ah, fascinating. So where does so your research obviously when we talk place, yeah. it, it does go all over the place, but it's also I mean it's incredible to listen to your talk. Yeah. Okay. Um. So, so kind of talk about evolution. We're sort of going back to the the planet's yeah. past and history's past. So where, where, where does your research take you in terms of like sort of human evolution? Right, human evolution. I saw this guy do this one in about five minutes, and, it, and it's great. Eight million years ago, there's, there's a common ancestor, all apes, all apes throughout the world that have been and and have gone. Eight million years ago, there's a branch came off, and they became gorillas. The line comes down to seven million years ago, thereabouts, and um, orangutans come off. And then we get to six million years ago, which is our last common ancestor that doesn't exist anymore. And down one line, you've got chimpanzees, and down another line, you've got us. Now, in some reports that you read, they say the difference between humans and chimpanzees is only 3%. But what they don't mention is that we are 60% the same genetics as a banana and 70% the same genetics as a cat. So if there's only like 30% to play with, then 3% is actually 10%. But also, if you look at, now I don't know if it goes for all apes, I think it does. We have 36 chromosomes, apes have 38. And if you look at, our first two chromosomes, you can see, and in compared to chimpanzees, chimpanzees, you can see chromosome one, two, three. In us, you've got one is extended, two is extended, and then four, five, and six look about the same. So it's like our second chromosome was split and attached to chromosome one and two. Genetic engineering? And as you delve more in, in if you to get this 3% difference between us and chimpanzees, you have to move a lot of the um, chromosomes around and to then get 3%. But if you just line them up, then it's like we're nowhere near the same at all. Um, something that I think I covered in the talk, penile bones. Uh, if, uh, horses, whales, dolphins, all apes, all monkeys, apart from the really tiny one, all have a bone inside the pelvis that comes out to give them an erection. We have a completely different system. How did that come about? Well, I was thinking about this earlier. If you look at all apes and monkeys in the world, they've all had the same sort of time to evolve as us. And there's one, there's a couple of fundamental differences between us and them. You know, we, we, we've got a, a what it's called, but basically we can touch all fingers, you know, most... Oh, it's opposable thumbs or something like that, isn't it? Yeah, something. yeah. But we do something else, and I don't think many people sort of thought about this. Now, chimpanzees have been seen, and other monkeys, have been seen using a stick to prod it into a termit, mound, and eat them off and whatever. But as they walk away, they drop the stick. We, as far as I'm aware, are the only animals on the planet that carry things. If you found a, a, a sharp stone, a piece of flint, that had a bit of an edge on it, and you come across a, a, a 
uh, a, a line that's taken down an antelope or something, and you manage to scare it off. You get a sharp stone and start taking the start taking the skin off. Thing, oh, use that, carry stuff in. So when you finish butchering the meat, and you might have lit a fire or something, all your bits and pieces you'll put into this animal hide and carry it. We take things with us, and it wasn't until farming sort of came in, so we started to stabilize rather than hunter gatherers. But we really started collecting stuff, which is why now, anytime you, you do an archaeological dig on something that's newer than about 10,000 years ago, you find pots, pans, tools, fire pits, and what have you, where they've, the, the, the human beings have, have started not just collect, collecting and carrying things, but started creating yet their own things. There's a, there was a dig between York and where the coast is, I can't think of this place off the top of my head. And it's where one of it, it's the first settlement or the oldest settlement they found in the UK. Now, this 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 place now is a field, but it used to be a bit of land and a big lake. And what the, they, they found loads of very interesting artifacts there. But one of the things they found is the people there had built a dock. They'd turned wood into planks. And built a dock. Well, this place dates back to 11,000 years ago. How'd you manage that, mate? <laughs> that takes some intelligence and some tools and some ingenuity. And where did you get it from? Yeah. Where, where do you think they got it from? The most interesting place is Sumeria. The, 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 the old conversation is, you know, who invented the wheel? Where was the wheel invented? To invent a wheel is very, very easy. It's the axle that's the difficult part. And I didn't, I didn't think about that. I, I read it somewhere and I thought, yeah, you know what, you're absolutely right. You can soon make a round piece of wood. That's easy. But how do you mount it onto something that's flat? So you've got to be able to get a piece of wood that you can fasten planks onto to make a, a cart. Then you've got to do something with the end of the wood to make it round that the cartwheel then goes onto with the hole. You then need something in, you need another hole that you could put a, a peg in to stop the wheel coming off. And then a bit of animal fat as, as grease to start it rolling. So that's quite complex. And as far as I'm aware, it's on, the wheel was only invented once in the world, and that was in Samaria, which is also where farming started. And the wheat that we eat today is basically the same as the wheat that they had 10,000 years ago. But there's nothing in the in the records, and there's nothing in the archaeology when they sort of dig plants up. You know, they go down through the layers of the ground and find all the seeds and whatever. There's nothing there to show how we transition from a plant, from a little plant with a few seeds on, to the sort of wheat that we have today, which is the same as they had ten thousand years ago. Someone showed them how to do that, or somebody brought them the genetically altered wheat to start growing, and it all hinges on on some area this 10,000 years ago sort of timeline, which puts us right into the time or the time just after the Younger Dryas, which is when we get the, the big sea level changes. Um, and it's almost like that was the last surviving colony from the um, people that were around previously, as in Atlantis-type population of the world. Just my wild guess. <laughs> so, if 
the history isn't what we've been taught. Yeah, it's different. Why? Why do you think that is? Why are we told something differently? I think that the theory sort of goes: if if we understood the actual uh, history of of our life on this planet, it would upset so many apple carts. You know, could could big industries lose out of money? You know, would uh, all religions suddenly collapse? And and if that happened, what would happen to the earth? But why are we not being drip fed this? I don't know. I don't understand. It's like the Bosnian pyramid. There's enough excavations on the on on the mountain now to, to make it go. Yeah, that's been built. But why is it still being denied? Why not have that as little as they call them Easter eggs? You know, we will just just open up a page in the real history book and let's have a let's have that as to what and why's. I don't know why it's been kept from us. For us, it makes life very interesting. Hmm. Definitely. I know um, once you watch the Graham Hancock stuff and I listened to him on Joe Rogan's podcast, yeah. fascinating. To, he was yeah. on there. Uh, I can't remember the guy he was with, but it was it, it was fascinating. And he was talking the amount of flack that he took for this new documentary series where he's oh, questioning what science, science has said for generations. And it's sort of they don't want to admit that they were yeah. potentially r- wrong because these guys yeah. are getting ten years at university based on following on that narrative that that's yes. what it was always like. So that's why it needs to stay like, and we teach everybody that rather than correcting ourselves. Because you think yeah. over time, science goes well. Actually, you know what? Eating raw meat. Probably isn't quite as good as you, for you as oh, aspartame is the classic one at the moment in the yeah, news. Yeah. Artificial sweeteners. I've been banging on about it for years, um, <laughs> but they go, "Oh, this is this is the change in thing. This will help people with diets consume less calories." Blah blah blah. Yeah. And now they're coming out and going, "Well, actually, mm, I'm not so sure it does." So they're they're prepared to change their views and science changes, but yeah, these historians. They they don't want to because it affects ten years and it affects yeah. everything. So I must admit it's why I love astronomers. They'll come up with a theory on this. There's a little bit of evidence to say that's not quite right. That's fine. We're now going to look at it this way. They are very much prepared to to change. Exactly. You know, we didn't think there were planets around all these stars. There's at least one around every single one. We were wrong. Fine. What can we now learn? That you know that that's what they'll do. But I don't know if you've ever seen the history of the oh Rosetta Stone. Thank you. The the Rosetta Stone is is stone. There was a few of them in in Egypt. Now I'll probably get this wrong way around. The Greeks beat the Egyptians and took over Egypt, and they had these stones carved that were in ancient Greek. They were in. I think it was like an ancient Egyptian language, and I think they're in, I can never say this word right, hieroglyphics. <laughs> Hieroglyphic. The picture that word. language. <laughs> because we could read the ancient Greek, because we already knew how to do this in the 
I think it was early 1900s or the late 1800s, it was somewhere around there. And somebody's looking at that going, if we can read that, and we can sort of translate this and it's the same as that, doesn't that mean this is the same? There was a guy in the UK and there's a guy in France. Both said to their professors, I think these are words. And they said, no, it is just pictures. It means absolutely nothing. And because these two, exactly like I say, they wanted to go against what their professors told them, everyone was telling them that they were wrong. Everyone was telling them they were completely wrong. Just leave it alone. You're mad. And it wasn't until they basically both came out with the same uh, translations that people started looking at it. Oh, okay, you're right. But, yeah, if, if your, professor, your professor teaches you this, that's what the truth is. But he taught it, he learned it of his professor and the one before. Before you know it, you're going back 100 years. Science moves on. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I'll listen to what you say, Prof. But now I'm going to open my eyes and see what I can find to advance knowledge. But, like you say, they just don't want to do that. There's no evidence in the world of these great travels. Well, that's because you're looking on today's beaches, not the old beaches. No, 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 sea level, no. There's, there's the guy that came up with the theory of continental shift. And I think it was about 30 years after he died, um, a tectonic plate, 30 years after he died, when there's enough evidence to go, you know, I actually was right. <laughs> but they're so reluctant to change, they really are. But, uh, yeah. I mean, another one that really fascinates me, there's, I think it's in Pakistan, and it's about three to 5,000 year old, there's a town. As you get excavated down to this town, they found all these skeletons. And all these skeletons are facing basically the same way, as if they've all been blown over. And as they were examining them, somebody decided to test them, because I think they found some radioactive sort of material fallout sort of in the area. And these skeletons were high in it. Then they found a report from the similar sort of time. And okay, it was written in different sort of language, uh, but it was basically a nuclear explosion. So someone's describing a nuclear explosion. They're covered in radiation. They're all falling in the same direction. So that looks to be a nuclear bomb. Well, it can't be, can it? They weren't invented until the 1940s. But the evidence, <laughs> the evidence is exactly what you'd see in Hiroshima or Nagasaki. Yeah, but they weren't invented then, were they? Oh, dear, no. Yeah, love it. Yeah, I mean, it's mad. Like I say, the, the evidence is there, but they just choose to not sort of accept it or acknowledge it because it goes against their kind of their Absolutely. learning, their understanding, their beliefs, which you can understand because like, all different religions and if something did kind of go against what, especially a lot of religions were very similar. Yeah. Like, it's different names, but it's the same stories and the same See. people with different names. Yeah. Um, you get the, stuff that sort of blows all that out of the water. One I, I came across recently, which sort of blew me away. So the King James Bible, I can't remember when it came out. I think it was like 1400s or something. Previous to that, the Ten Commandments weren't commandments. It was the Ten, I don't recall them, suggestions. But it was like the Ten Comments that, that God said. But they weren't commandments. It's only in the King James Bible that they converted it, converted what it was saying, 
to actually have commandments because if someone gives you a commandment it's like a royal commandment you you've you've got to do it that you can't you can't you know mess about with it but but if it's just sort of 10 comments that god wrote down then it, it, it's it's a bit different but it's how that the the ruling class are, are, are trying to put the people in the place so to speak and, and just keep them calm and out of the way unlike france at the moment <laughs> But as you're saying with scientists, you know, the when 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 evidence is in front of the face in South America, these elongated schools, and these things are fascinating. You, you I've got a model one. This features on the schools that we don't have. And these schools in the museums down in South South America have been, been DNA tested, and they're very close to human. But they've also been able to trace the DNA back to the Black Sea, which is interesting because in Turkey, Malta, I think there's a third one, they found caves, underground cave systems cut out of the rock. And these were initially full of bodies, of, of, of skeletons. Now, mm. some people say, well, the skeletons... They just put them down there, buried them. It's like, no, they, these were people falling on top of the people and everything's just sort of, all the flesh is dissolved away and just left the bones. But they all had elongated skulls. Now, they've also found them in the UK, not as elongated, but a bit elongated, um, under, under stones near Stonehenge. Now, my sort of theory would be the elongated skull humans were the intelligent ones. Were these the Atlantean type ones? More peaceful, a lot more intelligent. So when they built Stonehenge, the blue stones came from came from Wales. They carved these blocks out of the ground, dragged them along. Now a lot of people think, well, yeah, country lane, you know, you just need some round logs and no, there's no roads because we haven't got any roads yet. You've got you might get places where, in fact, no, you don't even have carts. So I don't think we had the wheel uh, in the UK over 4,000 years ago. And even if we did, you know, the, the, the tracks are going to be no good for, for dragging these stones along. They said, oh, well, they took them down to the, the Bristol Channel, put them on boats. Okay, then I'll ask anyone, if you've, if you've got a rock that's seven tons, what size boat do you need? You, you can calculate it. It's fairly simple. But I'm sure most people I ask would not have a clue how to calculate that. But these people did. Or to assume that these people exist, assume that's, that's the route they took. And then the, the bigger stones, the, the, the Sarsen stones, I think it's the Sarsen stones, these are like 30 tons, and they dragged them for like 10 miles away. And it's like, why? What's wrong with the rock on the ground where you are? Can't you dig it from about a quarter of a mile away, bring it here and just fill it full of earth or something? You know, you, why drag it that far? Um... And then there's uh, a couple of channels leading away from um, Stonehenge. They excavated on Time Team a few years ago. And their chief archaeologist, well, you know, the water could have done this straight down the hill. Water never, ever, ever goes straight down a hill. It'll always take a meandering route, no matter how steep it is. It'll be meandering somehow. Well, this thing is about 300 metres straight. That's dug and cut by people. Why? But this school in the UK... The, they reckon it was buried for about a thousand years, dug up, 
crushed and then reburied. They didn't like these people for, for whatever reason. And it, it sort of seems to say that if they're the peaceful ones or the intelligent ones, that means the round-headed school ones are the more aggressive ones, which are us. We wipe these people out. But again, like I say, you know, we're not going to hear about this in the history books. I'd love to know the answer. Really would. Really would. Yeah. So when you mentioned about the Sumerians and that kind of like where sort of maybe agriculture started and yeah. the wheel and stuff. So did they spread around the earth to pass that 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 knowledge on? Yeah. So did, I think um, it's uh bright is it bright ideas. A guy does a YouTube channel and I was watching one of his recently. There's about 30 locations around the world that has pyramids. And they're all built basically the same. Now, we know about these. There's some things I didn't know here. We know in South America, there's, there's quite a few walls that these stones have been cooked to such fine, um, such fine, so finely that you couldn't slide a, a piece of paper in the gap. And these things are 1,000 years old. And, and some of them, curiously, have these little nubs that stick out that I think could have been used to lift them, but then they normally chisel them off afterwards. Well, you can actually find similar walls to this in Greece and Italy. I didn't know that. Uh, Japan, mainland China, all over the world. Pyramids all over the world. I'd love to have a look at the angles of these pyramids around the world and, and see if there's any sort of similar sort of concept. And then some of these step ones, uh, you know, sort of measure the heights and the indents of different ones around the world. That would be an interesting study to see how closely they were linked. But it's also interesting that a lot of these places link up to the world energy grid. Now, if, if people go onto Google, put in the world energy grid, you get a map of the, map of the world, all these lines joining all these spots. And generally, wherever these spots are, there is something of interest there. Easter Island is one spot, and the, I can't what it's called, there's the circle thing in North Africa that some people have said is maybe Atlantis. That's under another spot. And these lead on to smaller and smaller lines, which uh, in the UK we call ley lines. And ley lines were investigated, I think that was in the 1800s, by this guy who thought, well, you know, it's like these tracks that go straight. So is it like the easiest way to get from A to B? Well, it's a straight line, but this one goes through a marsh, and this one goes straight over the top of the mountain. Why? It's because they're the energy lines, and you, and you can follow them and find them. And wherever you get, like, two energy lines come in, or three or four, there's generally something old, Neolithic, whichever, at these points, the yeah. I should say we we've spoken the um, which ties in with that that there are there's a place in the UK where ley lines are supposed to intersect underneath and it's supposed to be a haunted place. Some of the like Skinwalker Ranch, um, Stardust Ranch, and others in the US are linked by ley lines, apparently. So, yeah, interesting. Fascinating. I mean, in my first book, Blow Socks Off, 
I put, you know, what, what's been invented, what, what happened in North America, you know, in prehistoric times, nothing. Oh, was I wrong completely, which I think I covered in the second book. There was the mound builders in North America, plus there's so much evidence of giants over there. Uh, who was it? Was it Captain Cook or was it one of the French ones that sailing around the world and they came across these giants that were literally 12 feet tall. The sailors could walk between the legs without catching the heads on them, without stooping. It's like, how big are these people? Well, in North America, they build these mounds and they build roads. And these roads are dead straight for like 5, 10, 20, 30 miles. Now, whether they're on ley lines or not, possibly, that's why that's why it's easy to make a straight road. But also the, the Aztecs in South America, they have they sort of built these palaces in the, in the marshes, and you, well, why are you doing that? And then they build roads, which they basically had to build up reeds on top of reeds on top of reeds to get a level platform, and then they can build it out with stone to actually build these straight roads. And again, are they ley lines? I don't know. They might be. But why would you need a straight road? You know, you just have a path. Yeah, endless. Love it. <laughs> While we're on the sort of ley lines, um, yeah. like Greg sort of alluded to, where ley lines intersect seems to be areas of high strangeness. Yeah, do you think that that is something that that that's is that that is something in itself that these where is these these areas Nothing. of high strangeness and is that because of the ley lines? Yeah, the a great book I read. I, I, I think my brother bought it for my birthday, and I lent it back to him, and I've not seen it again. And he's describing sort of life from a couple of thousand years ago. St. Michael's Mount is in Cornwall. And you can follow a straight line all the way to East Anglia. And almost every single church on that route is St. Michael's something. He thought, why is it St. Michael's? It, it did describe what it what they thought it was in the book, but I can't remember what it was. Um, but they also do uh, stone circles. Now, some people say, well, stone circle, it's some sort of uh, uh, an ancient religious monument. Well, in this book, they say, well, no. You know, if you took all the road signs down in the UK and you had to travel somewhere and, the, and just headed south on the motorway, how do you know when you get to somewhere? You have to stop and ask someone. And they'd say, oh, yeah, next junction, come off and go right. Go about 20 miles down that road and ask somebody else. And what he sort of alludes to in this book is that you your path leads you to the next stone circle, and then you say, okay, I'm, I'm going to Preston or I'm going to Blackpool or I'm going to you know, Manchester. Which, which path do I take? So between each of the stones was a path taking different lines. Now, I grew up in a place called Barry Furness. And if you look at there's two islands there. Well, there's three technically. Two islands, Raw Island and Peel. If you pick on the centres of those two islands, they're actually exactly magnetic north-south. And if you follow on the land up from these, there's like a trough in the land that goes up and curves. And it meets a church on this road. There's no houses near this road. Now, whether there were more 100 years ago, I don't know. But there's just a church plumped in the middle of nowhere. The nearest, the nearest place is about a mile and a half away. Why that point? Now, there's no road where the church comes up. The opposite, opposite side of the road is a church. 
if you follow that, uh, sorry, is a road. If you follow that road on a map, it comes to a castle that's part of a farm. No idea why it's there. And, and the Broughton Common Stone Circle. Okay. <laughs> it needs a lot more investigating that place does. Um, yeah, just, you know. So the Stone Circle is like a navigational tool. That's what this guy was, was suggesting, yeah. And and you look at it and the, uh, oh, what they called? Someone who lives out in the woods by themselves. Can't think of the word. But basically, people would look after a stone circle, so you keep the paths clean, you keep the grass down. But they also had magpies. And what the magpies did is someone would ask the direction, they'd point it, and they'd leave a coin on top of the stone. Magpie would hop over, bring the coin back to the guy, and the guy would give it, give it something to eat. Um, and, and there's a load of other strange things about birds. It's like pigeons don't run away from people. Most, you know, just about every other bird will run away. Pigeons are quite with people. Were they bred as a social animal? Don't know. Barn owls will only nest in old buildings. It's as if someone genetically altered the owl to be a different owl that would live close to them. You know, if you've got a barn owl that's in a barn on your farm, it'll get rid of most of the mice for you because the mice will eat your corn and seed and, and what I mean, and cause diseases. So that'll look after that for you. So alter an existing owl so it only likes barns, likes being near people. And, uh, and, and you read this and you go, could be true. Don't know. But yeah. Uh, yeah, to find that, I need to find that book out. I can't remember what it's called, but another another, another fascinating book on again com completely different topics. Yeah. Well, I'd like to take take us back a bit to where you were talking about the different timelines of uh, gorillas, chimpanzees, orangutans, and us, yeah. and that we've got this DNA that matches to a certain percent. Um. And then you just talked about genetically modifying owls. Yep. One up. Who do you think is doing this? So we, we how did we become this different strain? Yeah. <clears throat> because one thing I did note that you said, and it's something that fascinates me as well, is that why haven't the the gorillas, the apes, the chimpanzees, who are highly intelligent um like hunter gatherers as such they they will live in communities they have a hierarchy yeah. um and a matriarchy where the, the female is in charge in a lot of them yeah. why haven't they evolved like we have and how how come we're different how did we get here i think that we were changed from what most people would see as Bigfoot. If you look back at some of the ancestral skeletons that they've got, the Lake Tacana boy one in particular, they reckon this child was between 8 and 10 years old, and he's about 5 foot 8, 5 foot 10. And when you look at the skeleton, you can see how they've hunched the shoulders up to make the hands a little bit higher on the body, because otherwise if you put the shoulders in the correct place, 
that the end of the fingertips would have come down into the kneecap, an ape, not a human. So you've got an evolved ape that's intelligent, that might do a few things with stones, that then has its genetics altered, so it's reduced from 48 chromosomes to 46, so that that embryo can now be mated with an alien uh, embryo or the, the alien DNA to create what they wanted to create, which was not as strong, but more intelligent life form. And if we look at what uh, Zachary Sitchin uh, um, read on the Sumerian tablets, it was the Anunnaki coming to Earth that created us from existing animals. And if you look at the fact that we create things, we carry things, we are so completely different to any other ape in our timeline. We have abilities that nothing else has. And if we look back over the last oh, 200 years, you know, in the 1700s, we weren't a lot more advanced than we were in the Middle Ages. The Middle Ages weren't any more advanced than the Romans were. The Romans were really well advanced. But then you come to like the last 200 years, like the Industrial Revolution and onwards, and the rate of change is just absolutely incredible. So we have to have been altered somehow. There was a skull, it's the Star Child skull of, oh, what's he called? Um, everything you know is wrong. I can't think of the guy's name. Lloyd Pye, L-L-O-Y-D-P-Y-E. Unfortunately, he's, he's passed away now. But he, he, he does a great talk on the Star Child. So this is a skull that was found in a cave. I think it was in South America. And when they tested the DNA, this child actually turns out to be about 30 years old, had one father and two mothers. They think, well, how could he have had two mothers? Well, if you if you fertilize an egg and put it put the egg into a different woman, when the child grows up and you check its DNA, it has two mothers and one father. Because the host, the host's DNA is imparted on the embryo. And actually quite interestingly that sometimes as an embryo starts starts to form, it can start to split into two but comes back together. So if you see somebody with two different colored eyes, they can actually have two different two different types of DNA. Because there was a, a woman who, she'd she, she given birth to three kids. One of the kids had kidney problems. So they needed a donor. So she went, yeah, okay, you know, I can don donate one of my kidneys. And they went, you're not a match. She wasn't a match to her own child. And now if it's the father, I mean, that's not asking questions. But the mother wasn't a match. It's only when the did several tests that they realized that she had these two different sets of DNA in her. Wow. So the star child, but then they dated the the the, the skull to when it was when it evolved. Well this skull was I don't know if it was a thousand years ago, ten ten thousand years ago, it doesn't really matter. But hold on a minute, we didn't have the ability to artificially inseminate a person a thousand years ago, ten thousand years ago, you know that was undiscovered in the eighties. So how did that occur? 
uh, and also a really good one. Um, I've seen two reports. Uh, I come if it's Afghanistan or Kazakhstan. Two scientists decoded our entire DNA, all trillion numbers, whatever it is. And they found there's number sequences in there that are literally one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. You know, and then you know after these sort of numbers that go, these are now numbers. There's now number sequences in our DNA. Someone put it in there. We have. I mean, I thought about this the other day. So many people don't believe in aliens, but just look at us. What we can achieve that our closest relatives can. The chimpanzees evolved into the animal that they are now 250,000 years ago. We evolved into the being that we are now 200,000 years ago. But we have abilities that, you know, outblast out anything. You know, dolphins play with toys. They play with seaweed. You know, you can show them a shape and then go and touch it on a wall or a colour and then go and do that. Chimpanzees have awesome numeric skills. They can actually read numbers and they'll put numbers in a chart all mixed up, put it up a second, take it away, and the chimpanzee can can tap that out. But when it's finished with the stick, it doesn't know what to do with it. We are just so different. Something's got to have altered us. Absolutely. It's, in, it's interesting because if you look back just over 100 years ago, we hadn't even had manned flight. Are the Wright brothers then had the flight just over 100 years ago but yeah, yeah. and then within within like 50 years 60 years we're yeah. we're on, on our closest satellite allegedly yeah um and then and now we're planning to go to mars um and spacex and we've got billionaires flying up into space for fun yeah um We've got the ISS. We've got satellites in space that provide an internet for everybody around the world. We have Starlink. Yeah. We're putting telescopes out in L2 range. L2 Lagrange point. Yeah. Yeah. And you're just like, who even and knows tribes, that? There's tribes in South America and there's tribes on islands off the coast of India that have never met human beings. You know, it's insane, they isn't still it? Stone Age life, but they still gather things. They still have to gather as, you know, they, they might farm some little bits and pieces. You know, they generally do these sort of, they, they burn all, 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 all the things out of the way, then they plant some seeds, but it's killed off that acre for the next 10 years, whatever, so they move on to the next bit. But yeah, they don't know that people have been living in space for the last 25 years. You know, we have a helicopter flying around on Mars. And like I say, it's only 110 years since the first flight. Mm. And it wasn't until the 1930s that we got the first helicopters. So again, less than 100 years. Yeah, you know, we, we, we several different, I mean, we've not only got rocket engines, but they now have these engines that you have the solar panels on the spacecraft pointing to the sun. It takes that, turns it into electricity heats up this gas as it comes out the nozzle to expand it faster so that it pushes it forward. So instead of having to take uh, uh, a fuel and oxidizer, you can take the fuel up and you heat it and it expands. 
the the technology that they they're coming up with at the moment is is is, is mind blowing. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting because you you mentioned about the Blackbird plane, and weirdly, before about five minutes before we came on uh, to the interview, I was reading about Blackbird, and titanium was used in the the building of of this this plane and um it was super uncommon they they had to develop new ways to to weld on titanium and they used different like gases to make a stronger weld and it's just like we've gone from not even being able to to have powered flight to now going faster than the speed of sound and retiring planes before they're even been acknowledged by the governments it's yeah. it's insane now do you think and you you sort of alluded to it do you think we've been directly interfered with as a species by Genetically, yeah definitely yeah by others yeah by way of helping us or helping them are we being farmed essentially for for whatever reason? And if you think yes, what what is that reason? <laughs> I don't. And know I mean far- And I mean, when I say being farmed, I mean it yeah. in like this long term thing where we're helping them to prolong maybe their their species, for example, by being we, hybrid we, or we whatever. Yeah, that's that's way beyond anything I've sort of looked at as to the reasons why someone would turn us into what we are why would we continue to be evolved as we are why we keep on getting help as we are no idea on that at all um but getting back onto the blackbird so like i said it's made out of titanium and one day one of the workers dropped a piece fell, it just fell off the, off the end of a bench and it shattered and they went why did it shatter no, it should have just hit the ground and digging the concrete. It should have been absolutely fine. Why did it shatter? Because the heat treatment they were doing on it was wrong. They're designing a, an aircraft out of material they didn't fully know, fully understand how to use and knew it was going to be capable of taking the heat that it was going to build up at those speeds. It sort of suggests that you've had, hmm, a craft that you've copied materials from so in the 1950s you could get metal you can analyze it you can realize what basic elements it's got you might not fully understand it in the 50s like we would today and go oh this is made of titanium well we flew really fast we got that on radar that it's flying really fast and it crashed here near roswell um so if that flies that fast we could fly that fast if we can produce the for the, the engines to do that and make it out of this material. So my two favourite aeroplane, the X-15 and the SR-71, are both designed with these chines on the side. It's like the fuselage comes out the side. And they both have this otherworldly sort of look. And some people have said that the Roswell crashed vehicle looks very similar to those, and on plan form looks very similar to the uh, stealth fighter. And if you read um, the 
Death to Roswell by Colonel Philip Corso, he describes the role that he had passing items out to industry, basically saying to them, we sort of know what this is, we think. You develop it. You do whatever you want with it. You tell us what uses we can we can have with it militarily. And we'll give you the contracts for it. But you don't tell anyone how you got it. And, and you come up with a backstory for the development. In the 1970s, growing up then, as I did, transistor radios were the new big thing. TVs without valves in First TV we had 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 valves in. These were literally like bulbs with wires in and did all sorts of things and took forever to warm up and produced a lot of heat and used a hell of a lot of electricity. The newer TVs didn't. Transistors don't. Transistors run cool. And if you look at the history of how they were developed, there's two guys and the boss. The boss says he developed it. These two said it was an accident. We're trying to develop something else instead. And for some reason, this was an American company, and all of a sudden, transistors are being made in Japan. And you look at the whole story, and you go, that it just doesn't ring right. So all of a sudden, Japan's making all of these transistor radios, all of these transistors and all these different electronics, the big boom in the 70s and early 80s in, in, in miniaturized things. Um, all goes back to the fact they've worked out how to make the transistor. But that wasn't what they were developing. So... It, it it really does spark off this thing's being passed into our production facilities that we uh, couldn't have thought of. Unfortunately, I've not come across anything, even though I've worked in aircraft design for quite a number of years and, and, and other design industries. It would have been nice to come across something that was a bit suspect and, and try and get a backstory on it. <laughs> but um, no, it... it the, the SR-71, the Blackbird, and the X-15, the fastest flying aircraft ever, rocket-powered um, aircraft, I suppose. Space Shuttle was faster. But, uh, yeah, you, you look at those, and no other aircraft have had that sort of plan form since. Fascinating. Are you talking right. reverse engineering? Yeah. Cool. <laughs> I, I was going to say because it's kind of cool to come on to sort of Roswell because it is pretty much the anniversary yeah. of Roswell crash early July 1947 so I probably know from what we've talked about but do you believe that that was a genuine craft non-English yeah it really was we, we and the, the the old cinema there's converted into the, into the museum if ever you've seen pictures of that I've been there um, yes, uh, I, I got a book from the library, uh, from, from the museum. Now, there wasn't one UFO flying around at the time. They've been flying around for the last two, three weeks. There've been numerous sightings. Then there's, then there's the crash. So a tenant farmer who was not quite breaking even, this guy was really poor. It wasn't his farm. He's getting paid to look after the cattle, this rancher, and he wasn't getting paid a lot. Within two weeks, two or three weeks, he drove into town in his, in his pickup, nice new pickup, and was telling people about the new farm that he got. So you go, well, where did that come from if that wasn't hush money? There's also an account of when aircraft go away, um, you have what you call a flyaway pack. The things that always go wrong, you know, if you've got a big aircraft with like a dozen dozen wheels, you probably need a couple of wheels, 
uh, you know, wheels, tyres, you know, might need a brake unit. You're going to need to top up some hydraulic oil and mops and stuff. And you have this box that you put the stuff in. So as the flower packs are used, the store depletes, and you've got to top the store when an order comes in. So this guy goes over to go and pop this new stuff into the store, and there's an MP on the door. And he uh, says, I've just got to pop it in there. He says, no, you're not. Yeah, I do. I do this a couple of times a week. I have done for the last year. I go in there and I dump this stuff off. And the guy went, not tonight, you're not. He says, I need to go in there. And the MP just flipped the cover off his uh, side arm, which I understand as military speak is back off. I've got my orders and I'll shoot you. You know, I know that if an armed guard points his gun at you, you don't start arguing. You back off or do whatever he tells you to do. So there's something in the hangar. There was uh, several flights out on a Sunday. Now, unless the military's changed since 90, or since 1947, we don't generally fly on a weekend. You know, you, you work all week. You know, you can get the odd thing, but you don't suddenly get five aircraft coming. There's just so many odd things about the place, about the the about all the reports. There was the local. Um, Undertaker, who's asked, how many child coffins have you got? We need five. What do you need them for? He's thinking, well, you've had a big problem on the base. I'll come in. And he gets chased off, off site. You know, half a dozen armed men picking him up and, and dragging him back to his car. Get out of sight. You've not seen anything. And that all just says of a um, uh, cover story. You know, it's it, there's something big going off. Um, yeah, absolutely. You know, these these... Who revealed that one recently? There was, there was, it was the National Press Club, I think it was, a couple of weeks ago. Was it? Or was it somebody else? But there's been one recently where they went, yeah, they, you know, they got like three bodies and they got a live one. He died in 1953. Now, when I left Roswell, I was, I was doing a big tour around America and every day I'd sort of do the map as to where we'd been. And the following night, my daughter was talking to a friend on, on Skype. She said, well, well, yesterday, Dad. I went, I mean, I can't think this hell. I said, I get the map out. And I look at the map and I went, we're in Roswell. <laughs> can't remember the following day where I've been. That's strange. Um, yeah. That was cool. That was cool. And the moon landings. Why would you fake six moon landings? Fake one. Have it sinking into the into the thing. We've got out. We've planted a flag. We've run back on board. And we've taken off. We've come back. You could fake that, maybe. But why would you go back six times? Why would you do all the, take the rovers up on one of you? Anyway, that's just me. <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's very true. So you mentioned your books. I know you've got yes. some non-fiction books. You've got your fiction books as well. Do you want to give a bit of a plug for them, where people can buy them? Yeah, if you go on to uh, Amazon, Simon Amazing Clark, uh, my first book is a self-help book, Self-Help, How to Get Started. I have three black cats, stories uh, on the cats that we had exploring the 14th century farmhouse that we're living in. Then we have Blow Your Socks Off, which is the one where you follow my journey into this maze. This is Blow Your Socks Off 2, where I've also included a whole section on Bigfoot, but I've also put the section on aliens separate, so it's it's a lot more logical to read through it. Uh, and then I have my Slick Mona Adventures, which are out of this world, shall we say. So yeah, Simon Amazing Clark on Amazon. Thank you. Awesome. Nice one, nice one. 
Uh, well, thank you very much. Uh, a wealth of knowledge as as always, and I'm sure we will right. chat again uh, sometime. But yeah, thanks for your time, Sai. Thanks for. Well, thanks for inviting me on. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Always enjoy your company. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Brilliant. Thank you. Cheers. Pursuit of the Paranormal with Ash and Greg.